What's up, guys? Welcome to the Care Coach Lead Show. This is Andrew Frezza, and I'm joined today by my brother, Tony Frezza. And today we're gonna to be talking about the biggest fitness business pitfalls to avoid in your gym. And so Tony and I recently came off a trip to Nashville. We went to something called the FitPro Growth Summit, which was a summit for gym owners, micro gym owners. And um, there wasn't actually a lot of gyms like ours. There was a lot of personal training gyms, small group training gyms, and then a few like uh, more like boot camp or boxing gyms and a few CrossFit gyms there. Um, but it was a lot of like small group stuff. And it was run by a guy named Tim Lyons, who I didn't actually know about until going to the seminar. Um, but we got a chance to hear some really valuable speakers. And Tim opened up the weekend with a talk about the 19 fitness business pitfalls to avoid. So today we're not gonna hit all those. We wanted to hit some of the top ones that stood out to us, things that we've really messed up that we feel like are valuable or opportunities that we feel like we can still grow into and things that we see others uh, like you or your gym owner making these same mistakes. So we're gonna dive into those and, and, uh, and share some of our favorites from these 19. Um, so the first one that came up for us is focusing on more instead of better. And this ties into actually another one, which is gonna be that our pricing is too low or our margins are too slim. So I wanna tie these two together a little bit. So focusing on more instead of better, a lot of us try to add more services. We try to create different offerings. We try to do specialty classes. We try to run uh, maybe a nutrition program or some kind of auxiliary service when we haven't really nailed down our core service and gotten that to be the best it can possibly be. And it's really important, like I think where a lot of this comes from is number one, hearing from other gym owners that we should be doing other things. We should have a nutrition program. We should have this thing. Um, but then part of it, I think, is that we're underpriced on our key service. And therefore, we feel like, well, in order to make more money, in order to drive our revenues up, we have to have this other offering as opposed to just pricing our core service correctly. Yeah, and I, I mean, these pitfalls, we pick these because they have been the ones that we have screwed up the <laughs> most. So they mean the most for us because we know how bad we kind of got off track. And I think we got off track in our business because we were like, well, let's add this program, let's do this. Like, well, we expanded buildings. We, we, dealt, we basically tripled our size before we were ready to. Yeah, and then it's like, how do we fill that space, <laughs> right? And we also think about how do we fill that time? We're sitting in the middle of the day with nothing here. Like, what do we do then? And, and I think, uh, you know, we could have spent more time just refining the product, which is what we're trying to uh, help get across through fixing this pitfall, is that you just do uh, less better, right? So more is not better, but better is actually better. Um, so focus on the things you do really well, you know, ask your membership base, what do we do really well? If you don't know, look at your reviews, what are people telling you, why they come to your gym, and just make those things even greater. Yeah, there, there, it was interesting, there's a lot of small group training facilities at this, this uh, seminar, and a lot of them basically run classes, almost all of them were like six-person classes, that's what mm -hmm. I run, it's a six-person class. People basically pay, something that looks more like a personal training price than a group training price. It's kind of in between, but maybe skewed towards the personal training side. And a lot of these people don't even offer nutrition coaching. And I remember specifically talking to uh, John Farkas and how simple he keeps his model. And he's like, yeah, we don't do nutrition coaching anymore. We don't even do personal training anymore. I think he, he said that. It's like, they just offer the small group. That's their bread and butter service. If someone needs nutrition help, 
they kind of build that in. Hey, do a food log for me. Like, let, I'll give you some, you know, if you can fill one out for two weeks, let's talk, I'll check in with you. But they basically just do those things as needed as part of the program. They don't try to do it as a bolt-on service because there's a whole layer of systems and expectations that have to come mm-hmm. with that thing. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, and then they shared a, a story, more of just like a fable kind of story about uh, a hamburger place. And there's this investor that's coming to this hamburger joint to potentially invest and to help this person grow their business. And they're sitting down for lunch and enjoying hamburgers. And the, the entrepreneur is telling the investor all about the ideas of how they're going to grow the hamburger place. You know, we're going we're gonna to add on this crazy hamburger that no one's ever seen before. And we're going to have a super spicy one and then something else. And we're going to have live music in this time of day. And we're going to have, you know, birthday parties and all these different things that we're going to do. And as they're sitting down eating the hamburger, the investor's like, why don't you just start by trying to make a better hamburger? Like he's not enjoying the hamburger. He wants it to be better. And he's just like, why don't you start with just making a better hamburger? Yeah. And that's the lesson that we want people to, to get out of this. Yeah. And yeah. Just do, just do what you are here to do, but do it better and focus on your time and everything and your energy making that thing great. Exactly. So that leads into, we mentioned it, the margins being too slim. That was another one of these big pitfalls. I, for, for me, this is the biggest one especially in the CrossFit space, we have the, the worst operational capacity of, of basically any fitness model out there, meaning we have things like barbells and high-skill gymnastics and ropes and wall space that's needed to run our programs. Our athletes take up the most room of any type of function or any type of fitness setting out there, yet we have some of the lowest rates as it relates to like group class pricing for what we offer. And it doesn't matter how good you are at what you do if the numbers just don't work, if the numbers just don't make sense. And if you're having to constantly chase massive volumes in order to make it work, when you don't have the ability to sustainably handle those volumes because you're not an orange theory or another model that can fit 30 people in 2000 square feet with one coach, you know, every cost is gonna go up with it from equipment to space to coaching to deliver the service you want, yet you're not priced with that in mind. Yeah, we learned this uh, lesson, this pitfall during COVID when we had to space out the room and everybody was given so much space and our class caps, which we were like, yeah, they're 30, that's cool. All right, they're 35, all right. Like we even tried a class cap of 40 at one time at certain classes and you can only do that for so long. And as we got went through COVID and we realized what a better cap that we wanted to have was, was under 30 and in the 20s, um, we had to charge accordingly. So that came with a price raise for our membership base and whole, um, but it also like helped us realize like there is so many, there's only so much space in your gym, right? There's only so much space for a popular class time. So at that point, people have to pay really a premium to pay to get in to your class times. Yeah, and, and I would even argue that like what we think is a premium isn't really a premium. Because we're talking about most people are afraid to go over $200 a month. And even for us, we have memberships that are under $200 a month. Most people are afraid to go over that. The people that are actually going to use your service that are coming 18, 20 times in a month, which is what you want, right? We're not a, we're not a Planet Fitness. We're not a Gold's Gym. We're not asking people to pay a membership and not showing up. We're actually like, you know, in our case, rewarding them to show up or 
In other cases, a lot of gyms are keeping that person accountable. They're calling them, they're texting them to show up. So if that person's gonna come 18 to 20 times, they're paying $10 a class or less to do that for an amazing service to get, you know, to, to get an amazing workout, to get some coaching and learning, to have like space and things organized for them, you know, to have access to all this equipment and all this stuff that you have and just the amazing service you provide. And you compare that to something like a, let's call it like a golf membership. I mean, we have so many golf courses in the area. People pay, people pay five figures just for their right to be able to pay for the annual membership. They pay 10 grand, 50 grand, 100 grand, just for the right to be able to then pay the annual fee to actually use the golf course and do all that stuff. And, and maybe that's not the exact same clientele that we're targeting, but our service is more similar to that than it's not. It is very much like, a kind of a clubhouse type of atmosphere. And in most cases, the, the, the learning and the teaching, like the person who has access to a golf membership, they're not getting the access to the golf pro. You are the pro in your facility. They're getting coaching and teaching as part of that. And it's just completely undervalued. So it's like, I wanna really reframe in people's minds of what they think a premium fee is versus what they're delivering because i think i think we're just so off in our industry i think most most crossfit type gyms most barbell based facilities really it should have started at 250 a month as like the base fee that everyone was charging and then the higher end ones should look more like a small group training fee or a personal training fee mm -hmm. there because there has to be cushion in these margins for the gym to survive if membership ever goes down yeah so, as we also learned in COVID was people will just put their memberships on hold all at once, um, you know, with a, with a pretty big range of your memberships. So you have to build in a cushion to your business so that when membership drops for any reason, you have something to keep you going. And, and to pay your coach as well, pay your staff well, which mm -hmm. we won't get into this, but that's a big part of it. Another big one for us and probably the biggest opportunity for us moving forward is what they categorize as a front end to back end imbalance. And what, what they mean by that is so many of us are trying to focus on front end sales. How do we get the next person in the door? How do we sign up the new person for a membership? Should we run a challenge? Should we run a marketing campaign? How do we get the next person in the door? Whereas the best businesses make a lot of their revenue and a lot of their money off of their current customers through ascension and through upsells. And that's what we're talking about with back end balance is where is your ascension in your business? And it's interesting because we, one of our original points was focus on better, not more. So you have to do this at the right time. But if you're someone like us that has a really good core service, it's profitable, um, you're able to you know, get great people on your team. And then you have, you know, for us, it's like we have the avenues. We just don't do a good job of informing the members that these avenues exist and that these are things that they could probably benefit from. Like the nutrition coaching, personal training. We have coaches that can help people with injuries and getting out of pain. Like sports performance, anything that someone could possibly want help with as it relates to our niche, like we have the staff to deliver on it, but none of those things are really great businesses in and of themselves because of our lack of commitment to that ascension. And we are really more focused on the front end than the back end. Yeah, and, and really it's like the lifetime value, it goes back to the lifetime value of the client. So like, 
at a certain point, your members should ask what's next, right? They've been with you for a couple of years. They've hit their, all their PRs. They've mastered, let's say they've mastered movements in a certain sense, and they're just wondering where do they go from here? And so it's not only, you know, getting um, a higher value out of them per month, maybe they're paying for now workouts and nutrition coaching, um, but it's ensuring they stay longer because yeah. now instead of wondering what's next, they're like, I know what's next because my gym has laid it out for me. This is the progression at Fit Town. This is where I grow um, in my health and my fitness and as a person, as I keep, you know, investing in myself here. Yeah, so that brings up another one of these 19 mistakes, which is lack of innovation. And the statement that I wrote down that really stuck to me was, it's not good when a company progresses slower than its customers do. So that's what Tony was really alluding to, is that you ascending or upselling on a service isn't extracting more money. It is like your clients have started to achieve many of the goals that they originally set out to achieve with you and they are wanting more. They're, they're wanting to know what the next evolution is, what the next step is, and your ability to stay innovative with those solutions and, and have a service that can really fulfill that is really important and really key. Um, so I see where a lot of gyms have done this in the past, especially in the CrossFit space, it's like thinking that the next step is always a more competitive step. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, okay, this person, this person's bored by the group class or they're, you know, they're complaining about the programming or whatever it might be. Let's give them more competitive programming. Let's offer a competitor's class. Let's do, let's do tiered classes where we have beginner, intermediate, advanced. It's, and oftentimes we're putting a bandaid on what that person really wants. Like such a small subset of our people actually want more competitive programming. But if we, if we portray in our gyms that that is the only evolution, you're either like a regular person in class or you're doing this more competitive side, then that's what they're gonna be gravitating towards. But if that evolution looks more like, no, let's dial in your nutrition, or that evolution looks like, yeah, you perform well in the gym, but you've had this nagging shoulder injury and you're in pain outside the gym. Like you don't feel great. You're not functioning in the person that you wanna be. Like let's dial that in and let's get you feeling really, really good with, with your entire life and we've checked the box of the gym, let's keep checking the box of the group class, but let's fill in the gaps with all these other things. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the innovation being like competitive focus, because I feel like our innovation here has been the opposite. As we have been here for 10 years, we now have 30-year-old members who are in their 40s, mm -hmm. right? So they're, they're going through totally different stages of life and they have different needs now. They no longer need a new PR, they need to feel healthy in their everyday life. They need mobility in the next 10 years and be able to do anything they want when they hit 50. You know, so that's where you have to almost not just innovate, but mature in your business, right? So if you, if you are a group class gym and your membership base is maturing as a group, you have to mature with them or mature ahead of them, right? And kind of lead them in the direction. If they don't have leadership, then they're gonna look for the thing that can lead them. Yeah. So the next two that I want to touch on, and again, these two kind of pair well with each other, which is we falsely believe that more leads will fix our problems. Um, and that ties really nicely into this other one, which is lackluster follow-up with these new leads. So before I get into the, the specifics of the leads and following up with leads, where I think a lot of us, us included, have 
have messed this up is we, we think we need more leads. And where we think we need more leads is someone that's not tied to our business currently. And for us, we have, even at our lowest lows over the last couple of years, we've had 350 members. You know, consistently we've hung out in the range of 400 to 500 members um, for years now. And to think about needing to attract a potential new customer that doesn't currently have a relationship with one of those 400. I mean, if we played the, the degrees of separation game with our gym, current gym members, within two degrees of separation, we could probably hit every single person within a five mile radius of this gym, right? Mm -hmm. Every single person within a five mile radius of this gym is one or two relationships away from a raving fan of our business today. Mm -hmm. And we're either not delivering a good enough service with the people we already have, or what I think is more often than not in a case like ours is we are, but we haven't really invested enough into the one-on-one -on -one relationship outside the gym where we feel really comfortable asking for a review or a referral based off of that. You know, or we just simply haven't asked, right? Yeah. So I think there's three layers to it. One is like you could create a great group class service for someone, they could love you, but you still might not be in a relationship with them where you feel super comfortable getting a good review and a good referral out of them. So that's where that one-on-one -on -one relationship outside a phone call, check in with them on their goals, see how they're doing, create value for them in, your, in their lives, help them with something outside the gym, and then ask for the review, ask for the referral. Mm -hmm. um, but in a lot of cases, you have a great relationship and you simply haven't asked. Yeah, I think we, I think we as a gym still underestimate the value of a referral from a friend, from a raving fan. Um, you know, you always say like, oh, if I need more referrals, I'll just ask for them, yet we, don't ask a lot, right? But that lead coming in from a raving fan is a lot different than that lead coming in just randomly off the street. Um, to have someone else that they can come in with and enjoy the product with um, and have be a salesperson for you is, is huge there. Yeah. And then as it goes to like lackluster follow-up, so once you do actually have this lead, whether it's a referral lead or whether it's a walk-in, I think we all could be better with follow-up. And the thing that I thought was really cool is like a lot of people that were successful there do a lot of video messages. Mm -hmm. they, they hit all the different avenues of following up. So they do text, they do email, they do voicemails, uh, phone calls, social media messages, like not like a crazy ex-girlfriend that's trying to hit you all in the same minute, but like throughout a, a 48 hour period, they're trying different ways. They're saying the same things in multiple ways. And they're, they're persistent about getting to a decision one way or the other. Hey, you know, I don't want to keep bugging you, but you know, we had discussed this and I want to make sure that if you're still interested, I help you. And like, keep saying the same thing over and over again until you get a clear, like, no, I've decided to do this. No, I've decided to do that because so many people are just busy or mm -hmm. the avenue you've chosen to reach them is not their preferred avenue. They might not even know what their preferred avenue is, but you've tried to email them or you've tried to text them. But based on their life, it's very stressful to, to take the time to write back the text where they actually prefer a phone call, you know, mm -hmm. or the person who can't get on the phone but prefers text message. You don't really know that. So you have to try different things, different times of day, and just be persistent. I think having a process for that, that lead follow-up, that how you start your gym, I feel like, is where we messed up in the past, where we thought more leads would be better. But then through business coaches for us, they were like, well, what is your, you know, 
what does your first month client journey look like? And it's like, well, it kind of looks like this. And like, mm -hmm. we, we kind of like describe it haphazardly. And it's like, well, if, if you don't know exactly that path you want the person to take in their first 30, 60, 90 days, that's very, that's very hard to make a leap worth it. You could spend all the money you want on the Facebook ads, but if they don't have a clear path once they contact you and get into the gym, then you're wasting your money up front. I think also getting back to that refer a friend, if the friend knows, confidently knows how you start people at your gym, it makes a big difference in what they can tell the gym, the future potential gym member what to expect yeah. as they come in. And I think that's huge. Yeah. And the last one that we're gonna to touch on, last pitfall is the silver bullet seeker. And this is basically the person that is looking for the one thing that's gonna change everything. You know, a lot of times it, it goes back to the leads. What is that one marketing promotion or that one offer that we can create that's gonna change everything from our, for our business and not really understanding that there's probably like multiple holes that need to be plugged and that there's always infinite ways that we can improve. So yeah, we might get one thing a little bit better, but we gotta constantly be uh, you know, fixing or improving everything so we're always getting better across the board, not just in this one area. Yeah, like talking about like the client onboarding process, like you wanna really develop something that like is true to your gym, right? Is true to like your values and what you, how you want people to start. And it doesn't mean like you just set it and forget it. You definitely revisit these things, but you do them with more of a long-term approach. You, you do it with more of a like, okay, let's not just do uh, what the other gym owners doing down the street, which is another pitfall that they listed here is just kind of like uh, most common practices. Yeah. Like, hey, everyone else does it, so why, why not we, we should do it too, right? And it's like, just do what you believe to be the best thing for your gym and your style of workouts and go with that. And I think having like a systems or process focus is a big part of this is like, you know, one of the big realizations for us coming off it for me personally was like, was the idea of reviews and referrals. Like these two categories being such an important part of the business, but, it, but how do we create a process and a system around that that looks like a, a weekly or monthly habit as opposed to a one-off thing we do when we remember to do it? Mm -hmm. and you know, like that, that change in thinking is really important. And also too, patience comes with that as well. It's like, okay, if we get, you know, we could probably put a campaign together to get 20 reviews in the next like five days. That might be good. But like, what if we could get a hundred over the next year? What if we could get 300 over the next three years? Like that would change our business in terms of our, you know, our, how we show up on Google, our ability for people to search us and just that plethora of reviews. So like, how do we actually have a three, five year, 10 year focus with reviews as opposed to just a, we're ranking low on Google, let's get up higher in the next two weeks. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've been doing this gym uh, ownership long enough to like always kind of jump ahead. Like, so whenever we're talking about a new, uh, promotion to do like I'm always ahead like three months okay how did this work out like looking back were we happy that we did the mm. are we happy that we did this you know are we happy with the membership the clientele that came in from this promotion um, so you almost have to kind of get ahead of certain things that you try to do right the, the silver bullet seeker is like very short-term focus and being like I need this many people in the door let's do it but once you've done these silver bullets enough times you're like you know what let's jump ahead yeah. What are the things that we could possibly not like 
about this situation? What could possibly go wrong? What In three months, why would we regret this? And it's not to shoot every idea down, but it's to honestly look at certain things and being like, am I just excited about this idea or is this something that could truly work for the long term? Yeah. Cool. Well, I hope you guys found this helpful and, and uh, find this uh, actionable for your business. We'll be shooting more content on some of the different speakers that we heard and talked to uh, over the, the weekend in Nashville. And if you guys have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. Andrew at fittown.com, Tony at fittown.com, and we'll see you in the next one.